0: I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit GuaranteeTitle.net. The Greater Minnesota Partnership has selected Scott McMahon to serve as the nonprofit's new executive director. McMahon is a former lobbyist with government relations firm Flattery & Hood and has been with GMNP since 2017. He will lead the organization in its goal of advocating for economic development policies and resources that benefit Greater Minnesota. More than 60 businesses, chambers of commerce, economic development authorities, higher education institutions, cities, and nonprofits make up the membership organization. McMahon has a Master of Public Policy degree from the University of Minnesota and a Master of Nonprofit Administration from the University of Notre Dame's Mendoza College of Business. Prior to his work with Flattery and Hood, McMahon spent more than a decade working in higher education, first as Director of Government Relations at the Minnesota Private College Council and then as Associate Vice President for External Affairs at St. Mary's University. In this interview with reporter Kelly Bush, McMahon talks about stepping into his new role during a challenging time When Greater Minnesota faces the ongoing pandemic, childcare shortages, broadband issues, and more.
1: Hey, Scott.
2: Hey, Kelly. How are you doing?
1: Good. How are you?
2: Good. Good. I think.
1: I I think. (laughs) Why? What's going on in your world?
2: You know, it's um, it's just always interesting working in advocacy right now when you don't have access to the capital.
0: Yeah.
2: And um it's a budget year and it's a deficit year and it's a pandemic year and it's just, it's interesting.
1: (laughs) That's such a Minnesotan way of putting that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's very challenging.
2: It is, but we'll get through it.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. So thanks for joining me virtually today, Scott. Looking forward to our conversation.
2: Well, I'm excited for it, Kelly.
1: Yeah, let's start by talking about the work of the Greater Minnesota Partnership. So can you give me a brief overview of what your work is?
2: Sure. So the Greater Minnesota Partnership really focuses in on advocating for uh, state public policies and investments that promote economic prosperity in Greater Minnesota. And so, you know, we're really trying to figure out what are the barriers or opportunities that we have for job expansion, job growth, uh, workforce development throughout all of Greater Minnesota to make sure our communities are strong, our businesses are healthy, and our residents uh, are thriving. Um, And so, you know, a lot of the issues we look at are housing, broadband right now is a really key issue as everybody's kind of realized the, the shortcomings that we have, um, child care, you know, and just some of those uh, some of those big issues we, that we have.
1: Sure. So when did you join the partnership in it and in what role?
2: So I've been with the partnership uh, for about two years now. Um, the partnership started about eight years ago uh, when a number of city leaders and business leaders across greater Minnesota kind of came together and realized that we needed a new voice for uh, advocating for economic prosperity in greater Minnesota. And so at the time when it started, uh, we hired Dan Dorman, a former legislator and economic development director from Albert Lee to uh, be the executive director. And he's um, moving towards uh, slowly into retirement right now. (laughs) Um, And so the board brought me on board uh, on the 1st of January to, to take over from Dan in that position.
1: Great. How's it going? How's it been going since January 1st?
2: You know, it's interesting. It's uh, it's an interesting time to be an advocate in Minnesota. Um, obviously, the pandemic is impacting everybody, uh, but around the state capitol, uh, the buildings are accessible to staff and legislators, and everybody else is outside. Yeah. Um, you know, we still have a fence around the capitol <laughs> from uh, the, the issues this summer, um, and so it's just, it's an interesting time to try and champion public policies when there's a split between those who are making the decisions and those who are trying to educate policymakers and advocate on behalf of the issues we care about.
1: Yeah. Is that changing how you approach your role? It is,
2: you know, it used to be that, you know, I'd walked 10,000 steps by nine o'clock in the morning and now I stand <laughs> in my office in a zoom call all day yeah, long.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> so,
2: um, you know, it, it is interesting. All of uh, committee hearings are, are online. And so there's, it's a very different system that we have right now because, uh, those who have access to testifying are, are much more organized by those who are holding the hearings. And so there's less opportunity for the public, frankly, to engage in the process. It's, it's more transparent from everybody can access it, mm-hmm. um, but it's less accessible to those who want to be in there uh, engaging in the process. So, you know, hopefully as the weeks go on, the legislature figures out how to do things a little bit better, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, they've got work to get done. We have to have a budget done by the end of June Uh, For the next fiscal biennium. So, you know, they really can't stop what they're doing. Uh, You know, they've got to keep going forward.
1: Right. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the work you want to do in your first year. So, you know, what are your goals in terms of um, successes of the Greater Minnesota Partnership in your first year?
2: You know, for me, success is defined uh, by two different areas. One is how are we doing the capital on championing these issues? You know, one of the challenges we have this year. On this is the state's facing a budget deficit, and so you know between now and when session wraps up in the middle of May, um, the state needs to set the budget. They need to address a 1.2 billion dollar budget deficit, um, and so that's likely going to mean a conversation between budget cuts, uh, which could impact areas that that are important for Greater Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, and it could in you know deal with. Uh, discussions about tax increases. And so, you know, obviously in the next six months, we wanna be really involved in those conversations and make sure that the priorities of Greater Minnesota are uh, are heard and, and acted upon. Um, but also beyond that, we have an organization we're dealing with. And so how do we um, how do we grow the organization? How do we make it more impactful? We are a membership organization uh, made up of local governments, businesses, chambers of commerce, higher education, uh, nonprofits and so on and so forth. And so, you know, that the health and vitality of the organization and our ability to be impactful, it's really driven by those that we have at the table. And so one of the things I wanna see over the next two to three years is growth in our membership so that we have the voices and we're being informed by those who are on the ground in Greater Minnesota about what are the issues they're facing. And more importantly, what are the solutions? What are the ideas that we have out there for how we address the housing crisis in Greater Minnesota, how we address the childcare shortage, How we, how we deal with these challenges we do have.
1: How do you select what priorities you're going to put forward in a legislative session? Is that based on the stakeholders and the feedback from them?
2: Yep. So, we've had a board of directors made up of all the different stakeholders. Everybody has representation. Um, It's elected by the membership. And so, you know, they work through the process uh, and and go from there. You know, the the reality is um, a lot of these issues have been around for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, the housing crisis in the greater Minnesota isn't a new thing. We know it's really hard to make the finances work for new construction in a lot of our communities. But they do change, Um, you know, two examples. One is three years ago, childcare wasn't a big priority for us. And then it has exploded for us. And we realize that businesses are now making decisions about what communities to locate in and what communities to grow in with availability of childcare for their employees as being a top variable that they make the decision on. You know, that's crazy that we're at the point that something like childcare is something that, you know, business executives are sitting around talking about, but it's the reality that we're in. Mm -hmm. Another one, obviously, this year that has really exploded for us, is broadband. Um, You know, it's an issue that we've we've been working on for some time, but it's a very, uh, there's a very different view on it now because we realize as students have been in virtual learning over the past 10 months, um, that, and, you know, as workers have not been in their offices, that uh reduced broadband capacity in the community is a real hindrance to some of these things going forward. And so there's a renewed energy around it, uh both at the federal level and the state level. And so, you know, we're more active on that issue now uh, than we have been in the past couple of years anyway.
1: Okay. Okay. Well I'm curious. So has there been successes in terms of broadband and childcare and those other top issues in the past years? And if so, what do successes look like this this year? You know, what do you want to achieve in terms of those topics?
2: So on the broadband front, uh, you know, we are instrumental a few years back in establishing the state's border to border broadband program, which is a grant program really aimed at let's get broadband access to everybody that needs to have it. Um, and so, you know, we've got goals for the state for where we need to be by 2022, which is just around the corner. Yeah, it is. <laughs> as well as 2026. And so the key thing for that is, is we know what we need to spend to make it happen. And we know the time frame that we need to do with it. Um, and so, you know, we've got proposals that we're working on uh, with a broader coalition um, focused on, you know, in the next biennium, getting $120 million in new investment and broadband expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, the governor's budget came out uh, this week with a proposal for $50 million for it, which we know isn't enough to, to get us to that 2026 goal. And so we're going to be working on, you know, let's shore up more revenue, uh, more resources to, to do this program uh, so that we can get it going forward. So, you know, that's some of the things that we're working on in broadband. We do know uh, that there's more money coming from the federal government on uh, from the, some of the COVID response uh, that they've had. So we still need to kind of see, you know, what the what the total pool is going to be for Minnesota and how we best use those dollars to make sure not only the families have access, but that the businesses have access to the speed that they need to have, because the reality is whether you're in you know St. Paul, Minneapolis or Alexandria, Virginia, you need good internet access to be able to participate in the global economy.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. And with everything virtually online right now, it's, it's I'm sure, more important than ever. Um, Absolutely. Well, we've kind of covered this ground a little bit, but I wanted to talk about challenges that are facing outstate Minnesota right now. So what do those look like for you, and how do you plan to advocate for those at the Capitol?
2: Sure. You know, we've got, we have a lot of great opportunities in greater Minnesota, um, but we do have challenges. You know, it's been interesting to see of the response to the COVID pandemic. Um, You wander through downtown Minneapolis or downtown St. Paul and they're pretty sparse as far as workers in there right now Mm -hmm. and a lot of those folks are at their cabins in greater Minnesota working and so part of our question is what does the economy in greater Minnesota look like as we get you know a year or two outside of COVID? Mm -hmm. Do we have the point in which the big downtown Minneapolis law firms have their employees scattered across the state working and what does that mean for us moving forward? we know that we have a lot of great job opportunities in greater Minnesota, but we don't always have the workforce that we need. Um, and so, you know, what does workforce reform and workforce retraining uh, look like going forward? Um, you know, obviously one of, the, one of the big challenges I have head on is the housing situation. You know, it's really hard to get new housing construction built in greater Minnesota because uh, a lot of times the cost to build is greater than what the cost or the value that that property is going to be appraised at once it's done. And so, you know, how do you get past that, that private sector uh, equilibrium point uh, without some sort of state intervention in those, in those issues? And so, you know, I think, um, I think there are issues we need to be working on this session for some immediate response, uh, especially as we deal with the COVID pandemic. But a lot of what we need to be looking at is, you know, how do we deal with things over the next three to five years to make sure that we're starting to make some of these changes, uh, moving them forward. You know, one of the things that we look at frequently at from a policymaker standpoint is how do we, how do we create solutions for statewide issues? Um, but the reality is, in a lot of situations, those problems look different in different geographic areas. So on the housing side, there's a housing issue in both the metro and greater Minnesota. Um, In the metro, it's more affordability. Prices are just really high, but the market's still there to support those values. Well, we've got the flip situation in greater Minnesota. On childcare, again, childcare is available in the metro, but it's really expensive. We're lacking 40,000 childcare slots in greater Minnesota right now. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact that Our families can't afford to pay what providers need to have a profitable business. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we're trying to do is can we change the conversation and policymaking to get people to realize that maybe we need different solutions for different entities on the same problem. So I think that's, you know, that's one of the big things I want to see us really trying to work with policymakers on in the next year or so.
1: Okay. Great, interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about long-term goals. So, <clears throat> you're executive director now of the Greater Minnesota Partnership. You know, when you step back in however many years when you're done with the role, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want the partnership to have achieved?
2: You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, part of uh, part of what I want to see is that we are a uh, true, strong, solid voice for uh, for Greater Minnesota. One of the things that was a catalyst for the start of this organization was some work done by the Center for Rural Policy and Development back eight or nine years ago, Mm -hmm. where they asked the question, you know, who is the voice for greater Minnesota? Um, And the conclusion they had is, well, there are pockets of voices, but there isn't necessarily a voice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, we started started with the intent of filling that void. And I think we're doing a good job with it, um, but we need to do a better job with it. You know, again, it's it's how do we make sure that we're representing, you know, all corners of the state, all issues. You know, one of the one of the things I usually start my presentations off when talking about Greater Minnesota is just how big of a state Minnesota actually is. Right. So one of the things I usually you know lead off with is um, you know, you can take a Saturday and you can drive from Grand Portage up in the north northeast corner down to Laverne, down in the southwest corner. Mm-hmm. Or we can drive, and I'm usually at that point in St. Paul or Minneapolis during the presentation, or we can take that same day and drive from where we are to Chicago and catch the first seven innings of the Cubs game. (laughs) It's an equivalent amount of time to do those two activities. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, one of the challenges that we do have representing greater Minnesota is how do we fully represent greater Minnesota? You know, you've got the mines and the forestry industries in in northern Minnesota, you've got Ag in the, in the southern part of the state, you know, how do you balance the needs of all of these uh, entities uh, as a statewide organization? So I think that's one of the things that I really want to focus in on in the coming years is how do we make sure that we're, that we're fully representative of of the collection of issues that we have going on.
1: Okay, well that must be difficult somewhat in your role to balance all of those issues and make sure the voices are heard at the legislature, I'm assuming.
2: It is, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, we are a very diverse economy and a very diverse state, um, but at the same time, we're very homogenous. You know, we all kind of view the issues through a similar lens. Um, and although we have, uh, we have a wide variety of, of things going on, um, I see more commonality between you know, the north and south of Minnesota, than at times we see between the metro and greater Minnesota, so it's mm-hmm. it's a challenge just from a geographic standpoint. But you know there there is a strong bond between uh, between the region.
1: Sure, let's. I'm curious. Let's chat a little bit about the commonalities between metro, the metro part of the state, and the rural part of the state. What do those look like for you?
2: You know the commonalities really are. Um, we all want to see the state do better. Um, you know when when we think about. Uh, you know, the opportunities for Minnesota, we need a strong and vibrant metropolitan area and we need a strong and vibrant Greater Minnesota. And so if, if one of us isn't doing what needs to be done, then uh, then the other one's not gonna do as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the academic vitality in the Metro, you know, a lot of it is driven by what's going on in Greater Minnesota. Um, we're a big food state. You know, when you look at General Mills and, and uh, CHS and, and, you know, Land O'Lakes and whatnot, mm-hmm those products aren't being grown or developed in, in the metropolitan area you know they're coming out of greater Minnesota and so even though we view it often as the metro and greater Minnesota being two separate things economically they're very tied uh, closer mm-hmm. together um and so you know I think we need to, to pay attention to to that reality that you know workers in greater Minnesota are tied to workers in the metro and, and vice versa and make sure that we do, that we are keeping those linkages in, in our policy discussions
1: mm-hmm. Great. That's a great reminder for everyone. Um, well, Scott, I think that was everything I wanted to ask. So is there anything else you wanted to add in or mention?
2: You know, I think, you know, the the one thing I'd love to just throw out there is, you know, for a lot of people in the metro, uh, we don't always get out to greater Minnesota. Um, you know, a lot of folks talk, uh, you know, they'll head up north and they'll talk about going to, you know, the Brainerd Lakes area, which truly is north of the metropolitan area.
0: Um, <laughs> right. A whole lot
2: of Minnesota that's yeah. north Greater Lakes area, and so, you know, I just encourage folks take time to get out into Minnesota. You know, one of the things that we saw uh, from the pandemic is, um, you know, March, April, May were tough months for our resort industries, but the summer was some of the best months that a lot of them have had, and it came about because people weren't traveling to Europe in the summer, and so they decided to go. You know have the family vacation somewhere in Minnesota, which was great to see. And I hope that that sticks around as we, as we move forward. Um, but there's a lot of great stuff going on in the state and a lot of really cool communities and a lot of great things to do. And so I just encourage people, you know, take advantage of these opportunities, you know, hit the road, go see what's going on in some of these communities, but there's a lot of exciting things going on.
1: Mm -hmm. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks for the conversation, Scott. It was super interesting and I appreciate your time.
2: Well, thank you, Kelly.
0: Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce, or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shatler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.